so welcome to the first issue of Adventures in Career Development podcast that we've made for a, quite a while. Uh, so this time we're going to try something different to get us started off uh, doing the podcast again. And what I'm really starting to get really interested in is the idea of values and how do we uh, think about making a difference in our work. So Corin Grant and I are going to be doing a few interviews hopefully over the next few weeks and I've volunteered to be the first guinea pig in our little strand of Making a Difference podcasts and so in this session Corin is going to ask me a bit about why I think I'm making a difference in my career and I'm probably going to get her back at some point by asking her why she's making a difference in her career but we may find some other willing people before we get to that. So we're going to start off with Corin asking me whether I can remember a time when I think that I have actually made a difference in my career. So Tristan, I think the first thing we want to know is if you can tell us about a time when you felt like you really made a difference through your work. So it's really difficult to think about when you actually make a difference, I think. Um, you can't always feel it at the time. But I remember there was a, a, a time when the careers strategy came out in, I think, 2017. And I remember looking through it, and I had seen drafts of it and things, but I looked through it and I thought, actually, there's an awful lot in here that I've been involved in in some way. So it had stuff about... Uh, the Gatsby Benchmarks, which I was sort of one of the people who was supporting on the initial research about that. Um, it had stuff about careers leaders that I'd, I'd worked really closely with David Andrews on. It had stuff about uh, careers and enterprise company where I was working at the time. And so I sort of felt not that this was my thing, obviously. It was, a, you know, there was lots of people in it, but I thought, well, actually, there's a noticeable bit of me in this. And this is something that actually the government have put out and he's going to affect things that are happening in every school in the country, or at least that's what we were hoping at the time. And I think it has kind of gone on to do that, at least to some extent. And so, yeah, that, that was an example where I thought, actually, some of the work I'm doing, somebody is listening and, and things are changing as a result of it. Yeah, that sounds really satisfying. But take us back to now. What's your current role like? So I've kind of, I'm kind of a portfolio worker now. I've, I've got... Sort of a number of different jobs. So I work for a couple of universities, one in in the UK and one in um, in Norway. And I also uh, work for an organisation called the Institute of Student Employers, and I do research for them. So I'm basically doing research all the time in all sorts of different contexts, um, and it's all about careers broadly. And how did you decide? to do the, these jobs, I suppose. Like, what kind of decisions did you make to get to here? So I think I had ideas about jobs that I wanted uh, back in, I guess, well, a few years ago. Um, and I couldn't quite find the right job that I really wanted that had all the elements of things that I, I, I wanted out of it. Um, so I found some of the things I was doing in universities to be frustrating. Um, I felt like sometimes I was having to sort of dance to the tune of, of uh, institutions and, and, and sort of processes that I didn't really believe in. Um, and then and I, 
I liked doing stuff that was in the world that seemed to make a difference and so that was why I, want, I liked the fact that I'm, I'm doing work that's connected to practice in some way. And I suppose what I did really was I kind of stitched together a job that had most of the elements that I wanted in it um, out of all these different jobs, none of which kind of completely satisfy me, but when I put them all together in pieces, they get much, much closer. So that was really, I suppose, my strategy for get, getting to the job that I wanted. So do you feel like your personal values match the kind of things that you're doing now? I mean, it sounds like from what you said that that was part of your decision making. Yeah, I mean, I was definitely, I'm definitely keen to do things that I believe in. I'm definitely keen to do things that excite me and interest me and stretch me. Um, I suppose uh, what I feel at the moment is that, and I think it's actually what I've always felt in all the jobs I've, I've, I've had, is that your values are always in tension. You're, you're, never, you're never completely doing everything that you want. And partly that's because the rest of the world don't necessarily always agree with everything that you want to do. And so... You're always in, if you're trying to make things happen, you're always trying to kind of mix up, pushing people a bit, doing what they want, bringing them on side. And so I suppose, you know, oft, I feel like I'm trying to achieve some kind of end in my work, which is about getting people to think about careers and getting people to think about social justice and so on. Not everything every day I do is completely in tune with those values, but I think overall that's what I'm trying to achieve. It might seem like an obvious question or obvious answer, but um, so is that important to you and why? Well, is it important for me to have, have work that fits with my values? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I suppose, I think it definitely is. It's a bit difficult for me to think about how... I would get on if I didn't have that kind of work. I mean, I suppose I felt my values or intention more at various different times. I mean, working for when I was working at Chris an Enterprise Company, which is essentially working for the government. Uh, you know, I was working for a, a government a lot of that time that I didn't necessarily vote for, um, and there were things that they would do and ways that they frame those questions that I wasn't always entirely comfortable with. Mm. And at times, I found that to be quite a strain and I felt uncomfortable with that and and that mattered to me mm. now I I suppose I justified it to myself by the idea that I was trying to achieve something uh, which was sort of value based I suppose but it doesn't mean that you know there was no, there's nothing I've ever done that I feel is the wrong thing to have done I mean I think you look back and, and even at the time you feel some things that you're trying to do are are not entirely right mm. and so you have to kind of think that through I mean, just to give you an example, uh, I mean, one of the things that we talk about a lot in anything that's to do with public policy and careers is social mobility. And I've actually got some quite big kind of questions about the whole idea of social mobility as being a kind of policy aim. Mm. And so that's something where I kind of swallow that and I work with it because it's something that this government believes in and is something that this government or, or kind of conservative government that I've worked for in various ways buy into but it's not something that I'm entirely comfortable with and I and I feel that I need also to be able to make that critique at some places and that's kind of helps me to feel that I've got some equilibrium in how I how my values are yeah if you had a magic wand and you could change one thing through your work that would make a difference what what would you do what would be the one thing you would focus on so in terms of changing 
something in society. Yeah, I'm, and I, I mean, I suppose because it, that would align with the work that you do, what what might you focus on? I mean, I suppose the I mean the obvious thing that I really my kind of professional agitation that I've, I've done has always been to try and improve the quality of careers provision. I think actually in the UK at least, or in England at least, we've got some pretty good uh, policy in terms of young people. Now, I definitely would like to see more money thrown at that and so on, but I think actually I would like to see more happening if for mid-career professionals. I, I'd like, I think career career support is really very unavailable to people who are like at the stage of career that we're at, uh, where lots of people are thinking about changing careers, second careers, these kinds of things. And at the moment, there's basically no help and support that you can get there, unless you're maybe unemployed or whatever. Um, so I think, I think if I could change one thing, it would be to increase the availability of career support for people sort of later on in life rather than just for young people. Mm. So it sounds like you've talked about how you got to where you are now and part of that was about parceling up roles that made it possible for you to do more of the things that you enjoyed doing more and less of the things you didn't enjoy doing less. <laughs> um, can you tell us about um, some of the main obstacles that you faced and how you overcame them? I mean I think probably the, the honest answer is the main obstacle I face is, is time. Um, very in, in my career, very few, very rarely has anybody said you cannot do this, this thing that you really believe in. I mean, that's one of the, the joys of having quite developmental roles, academic roles, research roles. I, you know, I've often been able to set my own agenda and, and to do things that I think are useful. Uh, the constraint on that has always been that I've that you know whatever the kind of core functions of my job I've always taken over those things and and so um some of the things like I did a whole uh, two books on uh, career guidance and social justice we did a whole load of events and workshops and things around that when we, when we brought those books out oh, we started a website as part of that and it's something I really believe in but I haven't been able to put as much time as I would have liked into that website and it's about time, it's also about what you're actually paid for, no one really pays me to do that. And so, although I've got the opportunity, sometimes those opportunities are a little bit of an illusion because you can't find the time to do them. So I think that they're prob that's probably the thing that sort of stood in the way of me pursuing my values more than it is somebody standing and saying, no, you're not allowed to do that. Mm. Take us a bit further back to times in your career when you you did had to do things that you didn't believe in. I don't think you've always been like sort of as privileged as you are now to be able to pick and choose. How did you move past that? Yeah, I, I mean, I suppose there. Are, I'm not sure I've done lots of things that are kind of really terrible, <laughs> terrible kind <laughs> well, of awful things. Doesn't but... have to be terrible. But, you know, a lot of us have jobs that we look back on and think, um, what, you know, what was the point in that? Yeah. Or... So I think there are, I mean, I think to go back not, not that far, I suppose one of the things that I've, I've become very, um, uh, well, I've got very big kind of moral problems about is 
is the kind of pursuit of academic publishing. Mm. Um, and, and that's been, you know, obviously something that I've, I've pursued to some extent. Um, and I kind of feel that in many ways my career would be advanced further if I published more things in higher um, ranking journals and, you know, those kinds of things. I suppose what, what I've, I find, why I find it difficult to do that, apart from, you know, limits of, of my own ability, is that it seems to me very difficult for me to come up with a reason as to why that is something that anybody would care about other than, and I, I suppose when I, when I look at my work and I think all I'm doing is accumulating points for no real purpose, so, you know, I'm publishing the same article in this journal rather than that journal because that journal is, is higher ranked. I find that something difficult, that I find very difficult to believe in. And I suppose I feel ultimately on a bigger level than just what I want to do. I feel that that process of sort of managerial point scoring that has, that has come to define a lot of academic careers has been very detrimental to the profession as a whole. It's, it's meant that people turn away from a, a real fundamental engagement with, with the world, with the discipline, with the, the kind of ideas and, and towards a sort of uh, set of processes that, that, that they think will lead them into being successful within the institution. Mm. And, and I think there's probably a, an issue that everybody has where you you kind of tell yourself that if you can get if you can do all of these things which are compromises that at the end of it you'll be you'll be free to do what you mm. want and I think that often doesn't work out because by the time you've spent years kind of performing the tricks that, that, that they want that the kind of institution wants you to perform you can't remember what it was that you wanted to do at the beginning anyway and you've just become really good at, at, at performing within that framework so that's something I think where I've, I've I've developed some kind of critique and problems with it as a as an activity and it's something that I've sort of tried to shift my time away from really and do you think in an alternative life plan where Tristram was excellent at point scoring and had all of those articles published in the right journals, um, would you have the same viewpoint? Um, I mean, obviously, it's easier to justify <laughs> something that you're not good at and that you can't motivate yourself to do. Um, I, I think most things in life you can get better at. Right, so I, I'm not really. I don't really believe. I'm always quite sceptical of the idea that there are some people who have just intrinsic value that they're just brilliant and there's nothing that, that that you can possibly touch them on. I mean, obviously there are some people who are genuinely brilliant, but I I feel that th there's there's pra practice is worth a lot, and so if you decide something is worth doing, you will get better at it if you spend a lot of time practicing it. And so, I mean, I do publish academic journal articles, you know, fairly regularly, and I definitely have got better at it, and I've got better at understanding how that process works. I suppose I feel that I'm uncomfortable pushing that to be the main focus of my life. But yeah, it, I mean, if I'd, if my career had gone a different way, perhaps if I'd started a bit earlier in the academic world, because I didn't really start in the kind of main, my main sort of academic career until I was in my 
late 30s really. Um, so if I'd started that earlier, maybe I, I would have got better at it quicker and it would have been easier to become a you know, more successful professor. But I, I would have doubts about whether that really would make me happy and whether that really would be the best use of my time and energy, I suppose. Yeah. Okay, so on that note, what do you wish you'd known when you started your career, if you look back? So, I mean, I suppose... I suppose Having said all of that, there are def there are definitely things that you think, well, if I had figured that thing out a bit earlier, um, you know, if I, if, I mean, I remember, for example, submitting a number of articles quite a few years ago, you know, when I was first sort of really starting to submit journal articles to academic journals, having them rejected and kind of feeling very uh, downbeat about it. And I realise now that that's nothing to worry about journal articles get rejected all the time you just have to kind of keep on and there's a lot of points in academia but probably in most professions for resilience and kind of sticking at it mm. but so I think I you know when I was younger I gave up too quickly on things that I was pursuing um so yeah I mean I don't I don't I don't think I have um sort of major regrets but yeah there's definitely a lot I mean there's a quite a lot of sort of technical things that I've learned that you've got better at as you get older and as you've got more experience whether you know whether it's possible to give a lot of those things to people when they you know before you've got the experience I guess some of those things are um, quite hard through experience aren't they? Yeah, yeah. What would you advise someone who was taking steps to move into it? A career like yours? So I suppose what I tend to advise people when I talk to them is to think quite hard about if you if you want to go into a career that's essentially is about research and particularly it's about some kind of social or educational research it is to think about what it is that you really want to do this for and is is the thing that you're really trying to achieve being you know, professor of whatever at um, a Russell Group University, or is or is the reason that you're going into it somewhat different? Is it that you want to kind of change the thing that you really care about and that you want to have an influence on? Which I think is one of the things that drives a lot of people, not everybody, but a lot of people towards different kinds mm. of social research. You you have things that you're very interested in, and you want to make a difference. And if, if there is that thing about making a difference, then I think there's a great value in being kind of flexible about how you pursue that and not fetishizing the idea of working in a university. Because I think a university sort of, in the abstract, seems like a great place to have that, pursue that career as being somebody who's trying to make a difference, mm. trying to change. And it can be, definitely. You know, and I've worked more of my career in universities than I have elsewhere. But it also has limitations and it has other drivers on it. And I think you can, so there are, there are other things that you can achieve pursuing research through, I mean, as I, I mean, I've worked for charities, I've worked for membership associations, I've worked for governments and, and for universities as well. And I think all of those things have got strengths and weaknesses and actually getting a really clear idea of who you are and what you've got to say and what you want to do and then working through a range of different genres and working through a range of different organisations can be very effective, really. If you imagine that somebody who's sort of uh, midway through that career, so they're pursuing that sort of role of researcher, trying to get articles in the right journals, 
feeling frustrated, feeling like they came in to make a difference, but they're not sure they're making a difference. But equally, they can't just leave one job and make up a new one that does feel like it matches all their values. What practical advice might you give somebody? I mean, I think, it, I think it's got to start with thinking about what is it that you are actually trying to do and what is it that you're actually trying to say. And I, I think actually being a good researcher and writer in, in any kind of, of research is about thinking about what you actually meaningfully have to say. And I think that's really, really important. And once you've done that, I think it gives you a position to judge, well, is what I'm doing at the moment actually moving that forward? Mm. Um, and if you feel like, well, actually, I'm writing stuff for, in you know, articles for journals that probably no one will ever read, which... I mean, it's not entirely true, but certainly you often will feel that when you think, well, I've put things in. It takes ages for the journal to process it. It was something that I thought was quite important. It's not probably going to see the light of day for two years by the, you know, by the time it's worked through the journal publication process. And after that, I've got no guarantee anyone reads it. Then, then think about doing something else. Then think about, well, start a blog. Well, um, you know, go and give some some talks to uh, to groups of professionals that might be have interest in the things that you're interested in. Um, you know, find a time to go and see a policymaker, so book an appointment to see a civil servant. It's actually, there's actually quite a lot of things you can do without chucking your job in at a university, for example, that will take you down that sort of route and will also probably open up other kinds of opportunities for you to pursue the the kind of work that you want to do and, mm. and pursue the issues that you want to pursue. And I, I can sort of hear some of my colleagues because I work at a university as well and I think what they'd be saying is what more unpaid work for me to do to develop my own career? <laughs> is, is that the only option? I already don't have time to do all the marking and assessments and writing that I want to do in research. Yeah, I mean, and that's that's right, isn't it? I mean, you, you can't do everything. You've got to think about how much time you have for career development. But I suppose um, when you're thinking about how much time you have for career development in your life, you need to think about, is that career development really being directed in the direction of you, the things that you want to do? Mm. Or, or are you sort of picking up these kind of viral values that come in from, from outside that, that perhaps the institution or your colleagues... And the kind of culture that you're you're in, you're absorbing these values from people that, that they're not necessarily the things that you really believe in, mm. and so I think you've got to kind of guard against that. But no, the argument is not like we'll just do ten times more because yeah. that just isn't going to really work. My last question is thinking about the things that we've asked and and the idea that we're trying to find out about what it's like to try to work in an area that makes it feel like it you're making a difference in the world. Um, who would you like to ask these questions of? And it can be anybody who's alive or dead. So, uh, well, one thing is that I had, uh, I had, a, I was very lucky because I had a mentor in when I moved into this field in in Tony Watts, who had been, th I mean, he'd been through a slightly different career path because he'd never worked for a university, but had had a very kind of an academic career, and it was very interesting to watch him and a couple of other people I met around about the same time who had really tried to follow this, this sort of pathway as a, as a public intellectual, I suppose, was the, was the thing of like saying, well, actually what I'm doing is not just 
um, pursuing uh, particular, uh, you know, I'm not just writing something for a particular journal, I'm actually trying to achieve something in the world and that's what goes first. And I suppose, well, if you think about who else has done that, you know, through history, you start, you come up with these kind of models of people who are not necessarily people who were sort of really buried in universities and, and you, you know, whether it's, you know, Karl Marx or whether it's, um, you know, Gramsci or I, I suppose that the people I look to and I, I find exciting are people who've tried to play that role or very, you know, in those cases, very successfully played that role of being being a public intellectual, so someone who is engaged in the world, get engaged in struggles, um, you know, I mean, and not just people from the left tradition. I mean, if you think about people like, you know, John Maynard Keynes or, or you know, these these people who, and I think I'd really be interested to hear about why they made the decisions that they made. I mean, you know, I've read Tristan Hunt's book about Engels and Engels had this like, you know, incredible career of compromise uh, you know where he was running a factory for most of his career mm. and not writing what he would hope, hope to do so I, but I suppose I find those kinds of people quite interesting and I think there are definitely people within the university tradition as well who've also done that and you know people like Raymond Williams and and so on um, and so yeah so I think there's there's lots of people who who I find interesting I would like to talk to her to hear about their their stories as well thank you it's been really interesting talking to you thank you